We're in week three this morning uh, in this series entitled, It's More Than Religion. And I think for a lot of us, for a lot of people, um, the idea of religion, it, it's, it's got just kind of the main idea of religion is that it's coming to church on Sunday morning, all right? Maybe, maybe religion involves a little bit more. It's saying a couple prayers throughout the week. Um, but maybe that's about it. And, and we, as we started off this series, we talked about the whole idea that religion, Christianity, it's a whole lot more than coming to church on Sunday morning. It's a whole lot more than saying a couple of prayers. Christianity, the point of everything in Christianity, is about a person. And his name is Jesus Christ. Okay, And, and what we've talked about is that the center and the heart of Christianity, that person, Jesus, um, we want to have a relationship with him. And in fact, God wants to have a relationship with us. And that's why Jesus came to this earth. And so everything about Christianity needs to center around Jesus Christ and the relationship that we have with him. And if we lose that, if we lose the focus off of Jesus, if we lose the focus off of that relationship that we have with our, our God, then what we're really doing is we've lost Christianity and all of a sudden what we're doing here on Sunday morning, it's just, it's just religion and it's just traditions and it's just customs. And this morning we want to talk about this relationship that we have with our Savior Jesus and as you can probably imagine, a relationship with God, and that's who Jesus is, a relationship with God is going to be a bit different than relationships that you and I might have as human beings, right? I want to talk about that for just a minute. Now, relationships with human beings, we all know what those are like, right? We experienced human relationships every single day of our lives. In fact, we know human relationships better than any other kind of relationships. Now, especially guys, maybe sometimes you don't think, you think you don't understand human relationships um, with your wife, maybe. But we understand and we know human relationships better than any other kind of relationship. And so um, let's just talk about human relationships. Human relationships, oftentimes, um, they are conditional relationships. Okay? Now, we have a few relationships that are close and that are intimate and where love is, is shown in a big way, but most of our human relationships, right, the people that we work with, the people that you pass every day in the grocery store, uh, your neighbors, most of our human relationships are made and they run on the basis of conditions. Okay? So if, if I'm kind to you as my neighbor, I'm hoping that you will be kind back to me. It's conditional. If you treat me well as a coworker, I'm probably going to be treating you well back. It's conditional. Um, if you treat me poorly, it's going to be hard for me not to want to treat you poorly in return. And if I treat you poorly, I'm thinking in my mind that at some point, you're probably going to treat me badly in return because that's the way that I treated you. Those are conditional relationships. That's the way most of our human relationships tend to operate. Now, we all understand that better than any other kind of relationship, our human relationships. And the danger for us as Christians is to take what we know about our human relationships and to assume that that framework of our human relationships, that that framework is going to be the same way that our relationship with God works. And the reason that's so dangerous is because what we understand mostly about human relationships is that they're conditional. 
And if I take that mindset, that assumption, and put that on my relationship with God, all of a sudden, my relationship with God becomes very conditional, right? And I start thinking to myself, well, if I'm good, God's going to be good back to me. And if I'm bad, right, God's got every reason to be mad at me and to treat me poorly. And so we, we, we need to be careful that we don't operate with the same assumption that we have in our human relationships and use that to look at our relationship with God. Now, the biggest thing about our relationship with God, the, the most important thing about our relationship with God centers around his love for us. And the Bible, the Bible sums that all up with a word, and the word is grace, okay? Grace is that amazing love of God that he has for us. It's undeserved, it's unearned, but it's the love that God has for us. We call that grace. Now, I'm a visual learner, and, and sometimes it just helps me to see things, so I want to try and demonstrate for you this morning the danger of what happens when we start to assume that God's grace is going to be conditional, God's love for us is going to be conditional like the love that human beings have for us, when that gets really dangerous for us. Now, this is a pool, right? If you can't afford to, to dig a hole in your backyard and put a big pool in and a, a slide with water trickling down, um, you can go out and get one of these. You know, the family's been bugging you. We need a pool. You can go out, and this will set you back about $9.99. Not talking about taxes, okay, literally, $9.99. Um, so not going to set you back too much. And uh, this, what kind of a pool is this? It's a kiddie pool, Right? That means that kids go in the kiddie pool. And when, when adults go in the kiddie pool, right, it, it's, it's just not right. There's just, there's just something weird about it. Anybody got a lemonade? There's just something not right when adults go in the kiddie pool. Because the kiddie pool wasn't made for adults, it was made for kids. It's not big enough for adults. And so, you know, we, you know, I can't sit in here and, you know, if I'm thinking, you know, come on kids, get in the pool, the, the water's great, you know, come on everybody, get in the pool. You're thinking like, get out, it's not a, an adult pool, you got to get out of that thing. And it's dangerous for us when, when we think in our lives, since we think that, that love, because our human relationships and our human relationships, love is, is limited and it's conditional. And when we look at, at human love in our relationships, and maybe human love in our relationships, maybe it fills up a kiddie pool. It becomes really dangerous for us as Christians when we start to think that God's love for us is like a kiddie pool, right? It doesn't fit. God's grace, it's so much bigger than a kiddie pool. And yet, what do we know most when it comes to love? We know a kiddie pool version of love. So what we want to talk about this morning is when it comes to God's grace, it is so much larger and it is so much bigger and grander and deeper than any love that you and I can comprehend. And that matters. That matters a whole lot. 
because we live in a hopelessly broken world. We live in a world where all sorts of bad things are happening. We live in a world where our hearts break. We live in a world where we are constantly disappointed. And we need to know that it's not a little bit of grace that's going to get us through and a whole list of to-dos. It's not a little bit of grace that's going to get us through the hardships of life and a whole lot of trying harder, trying better, giving more effort to it. We need to know that God's grace for us is not 11 inches deep and 11 feet of condemnation. We need to know that God's grace is far beyond anything that we can comprehend. Any of you uh, know who Professor Splash is? Any of you? Nobody? Professor Splash, um, uh, here's his deal. If you pay him enough money, he will come to your event and he will dive into a kiddie pool. All right, and you're thinking, that's weird. Let me tell you how weird it is. Um, he holds the world record for jumping into kiddie pools because um, he's jumped into a kiddie pool from almost 37 feet in the air. Okay? That's quite a bit taller than the peak of our ceiling in this room. Now, you're probably thinking there's a gimmick, and there is. Let me tell you what the gimmick is. Um, you, you go to, you, if he were to come here, um, this is how he would do things. He would, this is, you know, there's like concrete underneath this carpet here. Um, on the concrete, he would put down a Tempur-Pedic mattress, okay, which in and of itself is a pretty amazing thing. In case you don't remember, that's the, the thing where you can jump up and down on one side while your wife's wine glass is on the other side, all right? pretty amazing thing. Um, he'll put that down. On top of that, he will put an inflatable kiddie pool with about 11 inches of water in it. And then he will climb up 36 point whatever feet into the air. He's got a whole routine of with his arm. You can go on YouTube and watch it yourself. He's got a whole routine with his arm. And then he, he poses and then he just literally throws himself off 37 feet traveling 33 miles an hour into 11 inches of water. I don't know how he does it. I wouldn't do it. You wouldn't do it. Because you would think that you would not have a good experience jumping 37 feet into 11 inches of water. I wonder how many people look at religion and look at church like they're jumping into just 11 inches of water. Just into 11 inches of God's grace. And if that's even our idea sometimes of God's grace, that it is so limited, that it, you know, if we were to fall into it, that so, you know, the water would just, be out of it completely, quickly, that we'd run out of God's grace just like that. If that's our idea sometimes of Christianity, what do you think people who don't know Christ's love and who are going through hardships constantly in their lives, they think of God's grace? So we need to talk about the extent, the depth, the width, of the grace of God because it is so much greater 
than anything we can imagine. Romans chapter 8 is where Paul's trying to do that. And just to give you a context of what's going on in Romans chapter 8, Paul, um, Paul takes us all the way back to the beginning of time, basically, Genesis chapter 3, and he's referencing at the, in this chapter, he's referencing an, an event that we know as the fall of man. Okay? The, the time when sin entered human history. And Paul takes us all the way back there to make a point and to build his case. And we oftentimes, right, we oftentimes think about sin in our lives, and we think about sin as an event, right? Something I did wrong yesterday. And that's only half true. While sin, uh, sin uh, they are events in our lives, things that we do wrong, sin is also, I mean, it's just, it's something that permeates our entire world. And, and sin, it's toxic and it's deadly, okay? Sin affects everything. It affects nature, it affects weather, it affects human relationships, um, it, it just affects everything about the world that we live in. And Paul says, you need to know that. You also need to know that sin is fatal. Have you noticed that? Everything that lives eventually dies. Now you might be thinking to yourself, uh, you know, that's just the circle of life. I saw the movie Lion King, right? Right? That's a view. Paul's saying in Romans, the Bible is saying, there's another view. And the reason that things die is because there's sin in our world. And I know that's not a pretty picture. And I know it's not very encouraging. But in order to understand the extent of God's grace, we need to realize just how bad things are. So Paul says, we live in a world that is hopelessly broken. We live in a world where we are part of the problem. We live in a world where there is disappointment, despair, frustration every single day. And it'd be really easy for us, even as Christians, it would be really easy for us to look at all of that and this is the case that Paul's building, it'd be really easy for us to look at that and assume that God must not love us. That God doesn't really care what's going on in our lives. If God cared, he'd do something about the hardship in my life right now. And what Paul is saying is, look, there is hardship in the world. It's because of sin. But don't let that fool you. God does love you. And you can trust him. Now, Paul makes that case. We, we make that case. And I think Paul understands human beings. I think Paul understands us very well. Because we look at all of the hardships, right? We hear that God loves us and that we can trust him. And that helps a little bit on Sunday morning, right? It's like 11 inches of grace. And then we go out into the world. We go back to our jobs on Monday. We, we live our lives throughout the rest of the week. And there's hardship and there's struggle and there's difficulty one right after another. And we start t- thinking to ourselves, God doesn't really love me. I can't really trust him. That's because our view of God's grace is conditional because of our human relationships. And so Paul goes on and he's going to ask a series of questions. And he's going to say, look, there's bad things in the world. God loves you. You can trust him. Let me make this point really, really big to you. That's where we're going to pick it up. Romans chapter 8, beginning at verse 31. And Paul says, what then shall we say in response to this? 
What then shall we say in response to the fact that bad things happen in the world, God loves you, and you can trust him, and I know that you struggle with that? What can we say in response to that? If God is for us, and Paul's assuming that we all understand that God is for us, God is for you, all right? So if God is for you, and he is, is Paul's point, who can be against us? If God's for you, and he is, who can be against you? It doesn't matter who's against you, because God is for you. And his love for you is greater than anything you could ever imagine, is Paul's point. Verse 32, he says, He who did not spare his own son. Now, he's talking about Jesus. We would expect, in our human way of thinking, we would expect that the person that God would love the most would be his son, Jesus. And what's Paul saying? He who did not spare his own son, the one that we would expect him to love the most, he did not spare him, but gave him up. Paul puts it so nicely here. Gave him up in that he died on the cross. If we could only imagine the sights and the sounds that went along with a crucifixion, probably the most painful, torturous death human beings have ever invented. If we could just imagine the sights and the sounds of nails being driven through human flesh. If we could only imagine the look written across his face. God did not spare his son from the worst that this world has to offer. But gave him up for us all. How will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Right? He's given us the best. He can't give us any more. And Paul's saying, he's going to give you everything else as well. That doesn't mean that life's always going to go the way that we would want it to. But it means that he never leaves us. It means that he never loves us less. I don't know how many of you remember a few years ago on TV, um, there was kind of this five-year span of time when if you turned on ESPN morning, noon, and night, it was always the World Series of Poker. Anybody remember that? I don't know what happened. It just kind of fell off the face of the earth. But for about five years, that's all you would see on ESPN. And if you saw it, you remember there's all these guys, they had like the big sunglasses and they had the headphones in and they had their hoods pulled up and there was kind of always a lot of drama going on. And the big moment would always come when, a, when some guy with like $5 million with the chips out in front of him, he would push all of those to the center and he would say, what? I'm all in, right? That was the big moment in the World Series of Poker when somebody would put it all out there and say, I'm all in. I'm either going up or I'm going down right now. This is it. Show me your cards. At the cross, Jesus was all in. He was all in as he came to this earth and he walked on this earth and he lived on this earth all the while, his entire time, knowing that he was walking towards his death. But he was all in. When he got to the cross, could he have taken himself down? 
Could he have walked away? He could have, but he was all in. He was either going up or he was going down. And why? It was because he loves you. That's not 11 inches of grace. That's like an ocean of grace. There is no limit to that love of God that he has for you. And we need to know that. We need to live with that kind of grace in our lives. Verse 33, who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? The answer is no one. No one can bring any charge against those whom God has chosen. No one, including yourself, can bring any charge against those whom God has chosen. It is God who justifies. You know, in our American judicial system, we, it's a good thing, but you, if you're on trial, right, you have the option when the verdict is read, you have the option to appeal the verdict, Right? Happens all the time. Sometimes it gets a little ridiculous because you can spend years in appeal. Right? But the thing that's universally common about anyone who's ever appealed, any defendant who's ever appealed a case in America, the thing that's universally um, common with them is that they've always been found guilty. Right? It, it would be foolish to appeal an innocent verdict, would it not? And yet how many times do we as Christians don't we try to appeal God's verdict of innocence? No one, not even ourselves, can condemn us. No one, not even ourselves, can accuse us because of what Christ has done for us. Who is he, excuse me, he, who is he um, that condemns Christ Jesus who died more than that, who was raised to life. He's at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. You can't slip one past Jesus. That's what Paul is saying. Verse 35, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Who's going to pull us away from God's love? Shall trouble? No. Shall hardship? No. Shall persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword or depression or recession or loneliness? No. None of those things shall separate us from the love of God. Now here's the reality, as it's written, for your sake, for God's sake, we face death all day long. Our lives look like they're not good. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. That's true, but that doesn't mean that God doesn't love us. No. In all these things, we are more than conquerors. We are not just conquerors, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us think about that jesus did and you are jesus did die and you are forgiven and nothing can change that verse 38 if there was a soundtrack to this um, the music would be building big time as Paul's about to finish this off with the last two verses. And this is what Paul says. He says, For I am convinced. Now, who's writing this is Paul. Remember Paul? He's the guy who was stoned, like with stones. He was shipwrecked three times. He was left for dead. He was put in prison. He was beaten and abused many times. And what's he saying? Despite all of the things that happen in my life, despite how bad my life looks, for I am convinced that neither, life, that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, 
neither height nor depth nor anything else in all of creation, nor anything else, take your pick. Anything, despair, depression, regret, loneliness, job loss, love loss, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Nothing, 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 nothing can separate you from God's grace. His love for you is unfailing. Some of you are thinking, yeah, but you don't know my story. And you're right, I probably don't know your story, but that doesn't matter. Because it's not like you can bring your story to God and be like, you know what, you, you overlook this one. You know what, my story pushes the envelope too far. We think that way because we think there's 11 inches of grace, but it's beyond our comprehension. And you can't push that envelope too far. There are no stories, there are no buts that exclude you from God's love. Look, he cannot love you any more than he already does. And he will not love you any less. And you need to know that as you go out into this hopelessly broken world that God's grace is greater. Amen.